Support for the Cherry Picking Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. <laughs> hey, fellas, for this holiday season, tell your partner to get you Manscaped. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Manscaped has also Manscaped also has a crop preserver, which is an anti-itch chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on your smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls and your partner will thank you. <laughs> Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use the code BIGHEADS. And I think this will be the perfect gift for you or your partner this holiday season. And I think everyone will have a very Merry Christmas and Jolly Balls. Hey everybody, this is your host Andre Cherry and you are listening to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Pickin' Podcast with your host Andre Cherry. Hey guys, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and this is my week 15 recap. And I can't believe that we are already at the end of the season. The regular season is now over with. All we have to look forward to is bowl season and the college football playoffs, which will still be very exciting. But the fact that we've already gone through 15 weeks of the college football season is sad to me because I love college football. I love putting on these podcasts every week, and I just love talking college football to my audience. And you are my audience, and I appreciate you downloading this show. I appreciate you following me every single week of the season. It's been an exciting season. It's been fun. And I just want to recap for you guys right now, week 15 action. So if we look at my Power 5 locks this week, we have in the ACC, I was taking Clemson over UVA, and this game was no contest from the first whistle. Clemson beat Virginia by a score of 62-17. to Coming into this matchup, Clemson scored the fourth most points per game this season at around 45.2 points per game while limiting its opponents to only 10.1 points per game, which was best for all, which was best within all of FBS. It was number one. In this matchup specifically, Clemson's quarterback Trevor Lawrence threw for 302 yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions. His favorite target of the day was wide receiver T. Higgins, who caught nine balls for 182 yards with three touchdowns. And we can't forget about running back Travis Etienne, who's been a beast for Clemson. He rushed the ball for 114 yards on 14 carries with one touchdown. It was his eighth game over 100 yards this season. So the pieces are starting to come together. 
I feel like Clemson was a team that we didn't really talk about. I know folks know who Clemson is. We know they won the national championship last year. We know what this team is capable of, but they weren't a team that really got much love this season. You know, they weren't really a team that we talked about this season. They kind of got lost within the shuffle between LSU and Oklahoma and Ohio State. So, you know, we didn't really hear much about Clemson, but this team is very capable and they put their best performance together against Virginia in the ACC championship game. They beat Virginia 62 to 17 in the ACC championship game. Now, credit to Virginia for getting there, for getting to the ACC championships, for being the top team out of the Coastal this season. You know, that's no small feat and they deserve credit and props for getting there. But the fact that Clemson beat up on Virginia 62 to 17 is just indicative of the strength that Clemson has. Clemson it can just turn it on. And I think they're going to turn it on in the playoffs. I'm really excited to see this team go. And we talked about the offense in this game for Clemson. The defense certainly needs to get some love as well. The Clemson defense certainly got after it in this game. They caused three turnovers and they limited Virginia's only 17 points. Bryce Perkins is a dynamic athlete for Virginia, and they pretty much had their way with this this young man. So hats off to Clemson for just doing what it needed to do. I said it earlier on a previous podcast. Clemson just needs to win out in the ACC, and they'll make it to the playoffs, which is what has happened. They are going to the playoffs, and I think they are going to be a really good test for Ohio State. I know the Buckeyes get a lot of love and you know they were one of the more balanced teams this season, but you're going to be playing a big boy that has won before and knows when to turn it on in important games such as this next one. I think Clemson versus Ohio State is going to be a really good game and I'm not so sure that Ohio State will win that game. I'm just that's just my early opinion on that. But Clemson, with the victory this past weekend against Virginia, has won six ACC championships in the past nine seasons. It has a 63-2 record against ACC opponents since the start of the 2015 season. So Clemson is just a powerhouse. They're a, a, an Alabama-type team out of the ACC, and they just continue to churn out great players. They have a great product. They continue to get those wins, and I, again... I'm just saying this, I wouldn't be so sure Ohio State will win that game against Clemson in the playoffs. I think Clemson has a legitimate shot to beat Ohio State, and I may stake my claim and say that they will beat Ohio State in the playoffs. I'm excited for this. So that was my lock out of the ACC, Clemson over Virginia. In the Big Ten, I had Ohio State over Wisconsin. The final score was 34-21. to However, Wisconsin jumped out to a big lead in this game. It was 21-7 to at halftime for Wisconsin. And I put out a poll on Twitter asking folks if they thought um, asking folks, you know, who they thought would win the game, you know, with the score being what it was. And a lot of folks went with Wisconsin. They thought that the Badgers would continue to uh, do what it needed to do to get the biggest upset in college football, I would say, if they had done it. But Wisconsin didn't do it. Um, in the first half, Jonathan Taylor, he rushed for 148 yards on 20 carries with one touchdown. So he had a remarkable game, I guess you could say, by stats, uh, by just looking purely at the stats. That's a great day. Wisconsin, however, like I mentioned, they laid goose eggs in the second half. The Badgers were held to only six yards rushing in the second half, 
But the, for the first half, they rushed for 194 yards. So the adjustments that were made at halftime by Ohio State, um, you got to give that coaching staff a lot of credit because Ohio State was an entirely different team in the second half. They adjusted where they needed to, and they got the victory. They they did what they needed to do to win the game against Wisconsin, the Big Ten West champion. And now as a reward, Ohio State makes it to the playoffs. And they, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, Ohio State has been a balanced team all season, and they have looked remarkable against the teams on its schedule. And you know, that's all I want to say on that. But Ohio State made the adjustments at halftime, and they were able to overcome that deficit in the first half. And like I said, the Buckeyes scored 27 points to win the game in the second half while limiting the Badgers' offense to no points scored in the second half. So great adjustments, for real. But I do want to mention the fact that Jonathan Taylor became the seventh player in FBS history to reach 6,000 yards rushing. The junior running back finished the game with 6,080 career rush yards. So uh, that's a remarkable achievement. Wisconsin just has a pipeline of running backs who just are horses at Wisconsin. I mean, these guys, they put up some big numbers. They have some big linemen. And these dudes just get it done every year. Jonathan Taylor, great career. He's only a junior. He could come back next season. I hope that he doesn't. Because, you know, he's he's a running back. And so he he's already taken a lot of carries. His body's already seen a lot of abuse just from the yards that he puts up and the carries that he takes and the attempts. But if he comes back, he's going to shatter all sorts of records next year, it, which would be exciting to see. But for his, his benefit, I hope that he goes to the NFL. Wisconsin is the only school to produce two 6,000-yard rushers. Ron Dane, of course you know the name. He had a great college career. At Wisconsin, he leads all FBS in career rushing yards with 7,125. God damn. That's God damn. G-O-T damn. (laughs) So if Jonathan Taylor decided to come back next season, he would obliterate that mark. So it'll be interesting to see in the offseason what this young man decides to do. I I haven't seen anything uh, that he's mentioned officially Uh, in regards to whether or not he'll go to the NFL or come back. But if he does come back, he'll shatter all sorts of records. And with the victory for Ohio State, they have now won its third straight Big Ten title. And this is their first appearance in the college football playoffs in uh, several years. Uh, I think three years. Uh, Ohio State, I know they're excited. I know the fans are really pumped up for this. And hats off to Ryan Day. I mean, I know he won the Big Ten Coach of the Year. But this man came in and just continued to dominate. This team blew out its opponents every week, and there was no drop-off from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. It just continued rolling along. That train just kept trucking along, and they are looking like a legit team in the playoffs. They could have a great shot to win the whole thing. I think they're going to face a, a really tough test against Clemson, but Ohio State has shown that they're one of the more balanced teams this season, and I think they have a great shot to get to the championship game. So I'll be excited to see that Clemson-Ohio State matchup really play out. Then in the Big 12, my other lock uh, for the day was Oklahoma over Baylor. Oklahoma got the victory 30-23. to This game went to overtime. Oklahoma's defense came up big in this game. They had six sacks and 15 tackle for losses against a Baylor team that saw three quarterbacks see action. 
Charlie Brewer, the starter of this uh, of the Baylor Bears, he actually got hurt, I believe, in the first quarter after a hard hit on a defender. But third-string quarterback Jacob Zeno came in, and he probably looked the most impressive out of the bunch. He went two for six with 159 yards through the air and one touchdown. As I was watching this game, I think I saw signs in the stands uh, that said, Jacob Zeno for Heisman. Um, so... I thought that was pretty funny. You know, a a third-string quarterback, a scout team player for Baylor, sees action in this game, in the Big 12 championship game, and tries to do everything that he can to help his team win. And they almost won this game. This went to overtime, and I was really worried because uh, in the fourth quarter, Oklahoma punted the ball back to Baylor with some time left on the clock. And I was really worried that Baylor would drive down the entire length of the field to score a game-winning touchdown in regulation. So I, I was worried at the end of the game. I was worried that, that this would go to overtime because it just overtime is just uh, it, it could be a tricky thing, you know. Whoever gets hot on that drive wins the game. I was nervous, but Oklahoma did what it needed to do to get the victory over Baylor. Remarkable season for Baylor. I mean, they won 11 games this season. I think they're 11 and 2. They have an opportunity in the bowl game to break its 11 win mark, which is a record. Uh, they tied a record at Baylor. So, Matt Rule, hats off for coming into Baylor and just infusing this new culture into that program that was pretty much at its lowest point, I would say. And he is a remarkable head coach. He's going to get some looks in the NFL. No doubt this offseason. So hats off to Baylor for a remarkable season. 11 wins is a great mark. Oklahoma is just a team that is a powerhouse within the, the Big 12. They just continue to win. They continue to reload. And Oklahoma, with the victory, became the first Power 5 team since Alabama from 1971 to 1975 to win five consecutive outright conference championship titles. So hats off to the Oklahoma Sooners. They were were one of my teams in the preseason who I predicted would make it to the college football playoffs. And I'm so happy to see that they actually made it. I'll be curious to see if Oklahoma can finally get a win for the Big 12 in the college football playoffs. But they're going to have a tough task ahead of them facing LSU. That team looks really great offensively and defensively, so it's not going to be any easy task. But we'll see. Anything could happen in the playoffs, really. And then my loss uh, within my Power 5 predictions for this week was in the Pac-12. I thought Utah, which was another team I predicted to make it to the college football playoffs this postseason, would beat Oregon. Uh, But they lost to Oregon 37-15, to Utah saved its worst performance of the season for the Pac-12 championship game, which is really unfortunate. The Ducks jumped out to a 20 to nothing lead before halftime, and I thought this game was pretty much over at that point. Utes quarterback Tyler Huntley went 17 for 29 with 193 yards. He had two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions, which is not good, my friends. The Utes had two turnovers and they had eight penalties, so they didn't have a great day at all. And it's that's a shame because Utah was my team who I thought would make it to the playoffs. They were in great position after suffering a loss earlier in the season to USC to make it to the playoffs. Their final four games on the schedule of the regular season came against teams who had losing records. So they breezed through those opponents, no problem. But then once they got to the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon, a team they could have beaten, they just saved their worst performance 
for that matchup, which is unfortunate because they were in full control to make it to the playoffs. I think they were one of the teams in the best position to make it to the playoffs, um, and they didn't get it done. The Oregon Ducks defense had six sacks on Utah, and the Ducks also had nine tackle for losses, so the defense really got after it for Oregon. And offensively, C.J. Ferdell, the running back for the Ducks, was the stud of the evening as he rushed for 208 yards on 18 carries with three touchdowns. So hats off to Oregon for getting the victory over Utah. They win the Pac-12 championship game. And it's unfortunate because had they not lost to Arizona State a few weeks ago, they probably would be in the playoffs themselves. So that's that's no good for either of those teams out of the Pac-12. And then in the SEC, my lock for the SEC championship game was LSU over Georgia. LSU got the victory 37-10 over the Bulldogs. And LSU's defense came up big in this matchup. Georgia has rushed the ball very well. They're a very uh, explosive team rushing the ball. And LSU limited the Georgia rushing attack to only 61 yards in this game. And the defense also picked off Jake Fromm two times in this matchup. So the defense really got after it for the LSU Tigers, which was great to see. LSU's quarterback, Joe Burrow, you know the name. This dude is a beast. He threw for 349 yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions. He would end up winning the game MVP award. God damn. That's God damn. G-O-T damn. (laughs) His favorite target of the day was Justin Jefferson, who caught seven balls for 115 yards and one touchdown. So great day for the LSU Tigers. I'm so excited and so thrilled that they ran their schedule in the SEC. I had the faith in LSU all season long that they would get to this point, that they would be in the playoffs. And I'm so excited for this team. I can't wait to see what they can do in the playoffs. And I'm saying go go Tigers. I, I want this team to win in the playoffs. And I think they could do it. It's not going to be easy. But they play in the toughest conference in all of football. And LSU did what it needed to do. And they are in great position to win this whole thing. They're, they're the number one seed in the playoffs. So hats off to Coach O. And Joe Burrow, who probably is going to win the Heisman, and this entire team because they are—they've looked impressive, and I think they truly are the best team in college football. I know some people want to say Ohio State, but I think LSU is that team. They're the real deal, and I'm excited for the playoffs. So there we have it, folks. Those were my Week 15 Power Five locks. This week I went four and one overall. I went 58 and 17, which puts me at 77% accuracy when making these predictions. Overall, when looking at the entire season, I went 354 to 120. So 354 accurate predictions to 120 inaccurate predictions. That puts me at a 75% accuracy through the entire season. And these predictions that I make each week are straight up, straight up predictions each week. And so those were my those were my marks for this season. Next season, I, I can't wait to get into it and hopefully do even better than this season. But I appreciate you guys listening to my predictions each week. You can find all my content on cherrypickingsports.com. You can look back to see some of the games that I picked, some of the games that I may have missed on. But those were my picks for this season. And I can't wait to make predictions for the bowl season. And pretty soon here, once I have those predictions solidified, I'll put those on my website as well for you guys to check out. But those were my uh, that was my week 15 recap. Hope you guys 
enjoyed that little uh, recap that I gave you for each of the Power 5 games from this past weekend. After this short break, we'll get into some college football news, and then we'll look ahead at the playoffs. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Want to know what life is really like after the game is all over? Real athletes are here to share their true stories of adversity and triumph every week on After Orange Slices. Even if you don't like sports, pro athletes, former college stars, celebrities, coaches, public speakers, doctors, and all kinds of experts, join the show, and there's a little bit of something for everybody. Join me, Bridget, for a slice of inspiration, plus your everyday sports news sprinkled in. New episodes every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So before the break, we talked about the Power 5 locks through Week 15 action, and I gave you the finishes for those games. Now I want to talk about some news within the college football world. And to date, there are six Power 5 head coaches who have been fired so far this season. We may see a few more coaches get fired and hired, but the big ones have been Matt Luke at Ole Miss, Steve Adazio at Boston College, Barry Odom at Missouri, Chad Morris at Arkansas, Willie Taggart got fired early this season at FSU, and then Chris Ash at Rutgers. Um, and like I mentioned, there could be more openings uh, as we move forward in the postseason here, but that's pretty significant. That's some, you know, some big name schools and some coaches who have gotten fired after less than stellar performances through their career at those schools. And so if we take a look at it, Ole Miss, they recently named a new head coach, Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin's got to be one of the luckiest men in the world. He's coached at Tennessee. He coached at USC. He's been an assistant at Alabama. He was the head coach at FAU. And this dude just has like nine lives. And hats off. I mean, he he is a guy that you want to get excited for, I guess, if, if that's a right, uh, a right thing to say. Like I, I'm, he seems so cool to me. Like he just, my first blush of if I didn't know him, didn't know anything about Lane Kiffin, he looks like he could be a successful college football head coach. You know, he looks like a young head coach that could really be one of the more dominant coaches in college football, but he hasn't been. He's run into trouble. Wherever he's been at FAU, he had a, a you know good career there and got the opportunity to coach another SEC program in Ole Miss. He's a guy that he he reminds me a little bit of Pete Carroll. Like I just they just he has a, a interesting style, and I don't really know how to put my put my finger on it. But he's someone that I think could be a winner. He just hasn't done it yet, and maybe Ole Miss is that opportunity for Lane Kiffin to finally do the winning. Uh, he's 44 years old, and he gets an opportunity to be a head coach at Ole Miss, which the program has had a little bit of trouble here as of lately. Um, but I think he could be the guy to hopefully turn it around. And then Mike Norvell, he reached a deal with Florida State after Willie Taggart was fired in November after only 21 games at the job at Florida State. So Mike Norvell, he was previously Memphis's head coach. And so he agreed to a deal with the Seminoles after leading Memphis to an American Conference Championship victory over Cincinnati this past Saturday. This season, Norvell led Memphis to a 12-1 record. So he replaces Willie Taggart, who went 9-12 in one and a half seasons 
with Florida State. So that could be a great fit for Mike Norvell. See if he can restore the roar at Florida State. And then Chris Peterson, who was very successful at Washington, he stepped down uh, a few weeks ago. And it seems as if he needed a break, or that was the impression that I got from the reports that circulated, that Chris Peterson just wanted to step down and just take a little break, which I think he deserves. I mean, he's earned that right. He's been very successful. Peterson arrived at Washington prior to the 2014 season, and he led the Huskies to two Pac-12 titles and a berth in the college football playoff in 2016. His career record stands at 146 wins to 38 losses. He was also uh, a coach at Boise State where he was very successful. He led the Broncos to a pair of Fiesta Bowl victories and a top 10 and four top 10 finishes in the AP poll. So Chris Peterson is uh, really, he was a really good head coach. He's probably taking a little break right now to reset and recharge the batteries. But he's a head coach that we probably don't give enough credit and respect to. But uh, I want to give him some respect now. You know, great career. And hopefully he comes back at some point. So, uh, so yeah, those were the hiring hirings and firings within college football right now. At Rutgers, Greg Schiano was rehired. And I think he's going to be a great fit for Rutgers. He's a guy that has been very successful at Rutgers. The program has seen its most success at uh, with Greg Schiano behind the wheel. So we'll see uh, what, what he can do. Uh, Missouri, they, fi- they fired Barry Odom. They hired Eli Drinkwitz. That's a really interesting name, Drinkwitz. I never, I'd never seen that before. So they hired Eli Drinkwitz, and we'll see what he can do. Um, and so I'm just getting this from ESPN. Arkansas, they fired Chad Morris. They hired Sam Pittman. So yeah, there's some some hiring and firings going on. But I just wanted to kind of relay that information to you guys here on this podcast. And now, real quick, I want to jump into the Heisman finalist. I'd received a press release from the Heisman Trophy Trust and the four finalists who will be in New York for the ceremony this weekend are LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, and Ohio State defensive end Chase Young. And I just want to give you a little bit of information about these four finalists. Uh, They were invited to New York City for the Heisman Trophy announcement on Saturday, December 14th which will broadcast live on ESPN at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and is presented by Nissan North America. So I'm going to break down these players for you briefly here. Joe Burrow, a fifth-year senior, is the first Tiger to be named a Heisman finalist since Tyrone Matthew in 2011. He hopes to become LSU's second winner overall, joining running back Billy Cannon. Uh, He won the award in 1959. The six foot four, two hundred sixteen pounder from Athens, Ohio, is twenty two and three as a two year starter at LSU after transferring from Ohio State before the twenty eighteen season. Joe Burrow has led the Tigers to a thirteen and zero record. Uh, he's won the SEC championship this past weekend. They have the top seed in the twenty nineteen college football playoff. He is the second quarterback in school history to record back-to-back 10-win seasons, and he was a unanimous choice as SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Burrow has thrown for 4,715 yards and 48 touchdowns, both SEC records. On 342 of 439 passing for an NCAA best 77.9 completion percentage, better than the 2008 NCAA record of 76.7 
and he only has six interceptions. God damn. That's God damn. G-O-T damn. <laughs> His passer rating of 201.5 is the highest in the country for quarterbacks playing at least 10 games. Joe Burrow has probably won himself the Heisman. Those stats are ridiculous. Hats off to Joe Burrow. That's well worth it to be invited uh, for this honor. I mean, this is one of the most historic clubs to be a part of, and I think he has done it. I want to read you a little bit more about the other guys, though, who will also be in attendance. We have Justin Fields from Ohio State. He's a true sophomore who transferred from Georgia in 2019, and Fields completed 208 of 308 pass attempts for 2,953 yards and 40 touchdowns with just one interception with a completion percentage of 67.5%, while also rushing for 471 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground. Fields, who threw at least two touchdown passes in every game this season, including four touchdowns five times, and he threw at least three or more touchdowns nine times this season. He was also named the Big Ten Championship Game Offensive MVP. He's third nationally in passing efficiency. Justin Fields, a remarkable athlete, uh, remarkable quarterback for Ohio State. And it's just amazing that these two young men that I just announced here transferred from their programs, that from their initial schools that they had signed their letter of, letters of intent with to new schools and are now at the Heisman. I know some folks who are... Uh, really in love with the game of college football who are purists in the sense that they feel like players should stay at a school and try to battle it out. And, you know, if they're not good enough to start at their own school, then maybe that should be a sign or an indication that, you know, maybe you just weren't good enough or that maybe you should work harder to try and improve your skill set to maybe eventually become the starter. You know, I think there's a lot of people get a lot of respect for just gritting it out and being, a team player and just being able to put in the hard work and not just running away. Because it seems as if when you transfer away to a, a new school, you're running away. And I don't think you're running away so much as you are running to an opportunity. There are things that come into play, politics and just, you know, the writing may be on the wall is all I'm saying. And so why waste your time? Eligibility doesn't last forever. And so if you have an opportunity to go to another school and try to battle it out and get a starting position at a new school, why not do it? There's no there's no harm in transferring away, and this is a, a sign of that. These are two quarterbacks who transferred away from their programs that they initially signed their letter, letters of intent with and are now in, in the college football playoffs, and they are now in the Heisman Trophy ceremony. So I, I think this is a credit to the fact that they're making the game better. By transferring, honestly, it's not doing anything to make it a worse product. And I think this is just a testament to the fact that these young men transferred away. And while it may be viewed as uh, an individual move and that they only did it for their own self-interest, you have to look at it from this standpoint. They transferred away and now their teams, respectively, are in the playoffs. So they made their new teams better. And they're now in the college football playoffs. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. And I think Ohio State fans and I think LSU fans would love that opportunity year in and year out. I mean, if you're going to find a new player that can take you to those heights every year consistently, do it. Like, what fan wouldn't want that if you're a fan of those teams, you know? So that's just all I wanted to say on that. But as I get back into the finalists at the presentation, we have Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma 
He's a fifth-year senior. He transferred from Alabama. And so this is a four straight year. Oklahoma has featured a Heisman Trophy finalist. And uh, this is another young man who transferred in, and his team is also in the playoffs. So it's it's not an individual move. The team is benefiting. The whole team benefits. And so that's that's remarkable. That's amazing that these young men all transferred in. And Jalen Hurts, I've, I've talked about him on the podcast before. He has thrown for 3,634 yards on 222 out of 309 passing with 32 touchdowns to go along with over 1,200 yards rushing on 219 carries with 18 touchdowns. This dude is a beast. He averaged 279.5 passing yards and 96.5 rushing yards and accounted for 51 touchdowns, which tied the national lead. He, this young man is a beast. He deserves to be here. Hats off. He's not going to win it, but remarkable job for Jalen Hurts and a great ending to his story. Because he was a backup. He sat the bench the entire season last year and came in to be the superhero, the Superman of the day for Alabama, leading his team to win the SEC championship last year against Georgia. So Jalen Hurts, what a remarkable career. That's amazing. And the chance that he has to uh, win a game in the playoffs will be amazing. And the fact that he's a Heisman Trophy finalist is uh, uh, amazing as well. So hats off. And we have Chase Young, who is the fourth defensive lineman Heisman finalist, joining Steve Etman, Warren Sapp, Ndamukong Sue, And he will be the fourth top 10 defensive lineman vote-getter since Sue, joining Alabama's Quinnen Williams in 2018, who was eighth. Alabama's Jonathan Allen, 2016, who was seventh. In South Carolina's Jadavion Clowney in 2012, who finished 6th. Young was named the 2019 Big Ten Defensive Player and Defensive Lineman of the Year and won the 2019 Chicago Tribune Silver Football Award as the Big Ten's top player, as voted by conference head coaches. He is the first Ohio State defensive player to win it uh, and the first defensive player to win it since 2009. Young, in just 11 games, leads the nation in sacks with 16.5, which is a school record and the most in the Big Ten in 21 years. He is the first Buckeye to record 10 or more sacks in multiple seasons since Mike Vrabel. He is first nationally in tackles for losses per game, 1.91, and is tied for fourth with 21 tackles for loss, including 16 solo. This dude's a beast. I mean, this is an impressive group of men who have made the Heisman Trophy finals. All these young men deserve to be there. And while I think Joe Burrow will run away with the Heisman this, this weekend... My question is, why couldn't Chuba Hubbard be invited? This young man had nearly 2,000 yards rushing this season. He led the entire FBS in rushing with 1,936 yards rushing and 21 touchdowns. Why couldn't Jonathan Taylor be invited? This young man rushed for 1,909 yards with 21 touchdowns. He is at 6,000 career rush yards. In the case of Jonathan Taylor, I mean, this young man joins an elite list of running backs who have hit 6,000 yards rushing for their career. He's only a junior, and you couldn't have invited him to the Heisman Trophy finalist presentation? Like, he couldn't be a part of that, that moment? He's sure, sure, he's not going to win it. I mean, Joe Burrow will win the Heisman, but couldn't he have been invited? Couldn't he have a week in New York City and just enjoy the what he's done this season and, and his career? I think it would have been a nice touch uh, for him, and I think it would have been a nice move by the committee to invite him, but I don't know if there are regulations or rules on the number of players you can have at the, the finalist presentation, but I think he deserved a seat at that presentation, don't you? 
So there we have it, folks. That was my little recap episode for Week 15. Real quick here, if we look at my playoff tracker, uh, I did pretty good. Three out of the four teams that I predicted in the preseason made it to the playoffs, with the only team not making it being Utah. So I, I'm really excited and pumped that I did that and that I had success in picking the teams in the preseason. I look forward to doing that next season, but I'm excited for the playoffs. On December 28th, we've got the Peach Bowl, which features number four, Oklahoma versus number one, LSU. And we have the Fiesta Bowl that same day, I think at 8 p.m. Eastern time, which features Clemson, number three, and number two, Ohio State. So I'm excited. I hope to have more content for you as we get closer to bowl season, and I want to turn out some more podcasts for you all. But uh, we'll get into the playoffs maybe a little bit later on on another podcast. But thank you guys for listening to this episode. As always, I appreciate your support. Thank you for following with me all season long, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon as we get into bowl season. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.